Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. First service, I honored uh, Kent and Roberta. This our first couple who said yes to joining the launch team. They didn't know us from anybody. It was Kent Phillips and his family, and still on the stage, still serving people. And I love you so much. Um, if you're new to our church and you haven't uh, called up yet, let me encourage you to. You can always catch these messages on YouTube. I'm in the middle of a series we called Struggle Bus. And uh, some of you have been riding that struggle bus. I can tell by your hair. And some of y'all, have, it's, it's been a struggle bus kind of week. You know what I'm saying? Or a struggle bus kind of season you're in. And I really want to help you through a difficult season in your life, maybe a stressful time. I want to talk to you about how to handle anxiety and fear and worry. And if you didn't catch last week's message, I, I really would. It's, I don't want you to hear it as self-promotion. I just really think God gave me a word for you. Uh, in the last 22, almost 23 years of vocational ministry, I've traveled the world preaching the gospel. I don't think I've ever preached a single sermon uh, on trauma like I did last week. And uh, I would encourage you to go catch that message and share that with somebody who needs that uh, about how to how to survive, not just survive, but really how to thrive uh, out of uh, trauma, how you handle that, how to heal from that. And today, one of my favorite things I get to preach about, if you stick around very long, you'll hear me preach a message like this over and over and over again, because it's one of the values of our church. Last Wednesday, we had our all-in night. Let me encourage you, once a month, we uh, we come together as a church family and in midweek. I grew up going to midweek Bible study. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wednesday night Bible study. All the Christians are like, yeah. <laughs> All you heathens are like, no. <laughs> Anyway, on Wednesday, one Wednesday night a month, we get together and I teach leadership and we just dive a little bit further. And I talked about the vision of our church. We write it on the walls. We, we, you see it everywhere that we want to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Four things that really encapsulate who we are as a church family. It's the spiritual journey I think God has for you. And we also have four core values. We're a pretty simple kind of church. There's only four core values that we have here. That we love God and we love people. We pursue excellence And then the last one really is the attitude by which our whole church is founded. And it's this, that we choose joy. I want to preach to you today, if you're taking notes, on how to choose joy. By the way, I hope you take notes in church. All Christians take notes in church. All sinners don't. So if you're seated by someone not taking notes, just assume that they're a sinner. And and then at the altar call, maybe they'll get saved. So um, I'm not much of a Bible teacher, but I I do want to kind of teach you a little bit. I'm more of a Bible preacher uh, from the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. Um, The book of Philippians is an interesting book. It's four chapters. It's only two pages, and it's written by the apostle Paul. Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He loves this church. It's actually the first church he planted in Europe. He spent a lot of his missionary journey around Asia, but the first church in Europe that he planted, or what is what we now refer to as Europe, is the church at Philippi. And he has this deep love for, for the Philippian church and for the, for the believers, the Christians that are there. And, and he spent time there. We, in Acts, the 16th chapter, it's Paul and Silas who are in a Philippian jail, remember? And they begin to praise God at midnight, and, and, the, and the, you know, the jail opens up, and the chains fall off, and the gates open up. By the way, let me pause here and tell you, if you catch a charge and get in prison, you can try that, but I don't know if it's going to work for you. But it worked for them. God opened up the prison doors, and actually the jailer gets saved. His whole family gets saved. It's really an amazing story. But because of his, uh, his time there, Paul loves 
this church in Philippi, the Philippian church. He loves the believers there. And he writes this letter, the Philippian, uh, uh, gospel, uh, Philippian epistle in your Bible. He writes this um, about 10 years after he planted the church. So the church is planted somewhere around 52 or 53 A.D. He writes this letter somewhere around 62 or 63 A.D. So the church is about 10 years old, and he's trying to mature these believers. Now, here's what's interesting. I'm setting you up for something. Uh, just stick with me here. Here's what's interesting about this. Four chapters, two pages, and Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 16 times in this tiny letter. It's actually, it's the letter of joy. It's, it's, it's known as the epistle of joy. Sixteen times he writes the word rejoice or joy, and it's only four chapters and two pages long. Now there's big irony in why he writes the book of joy when he does, because Paul writes this letter from a Roman prison. Paul is in Rome in prison. Now, when I say in prison, some of y'all are thinking about, you know, live PD, and you're like, I know what it is. It's fine. It's good. They got TVs. It's, everything's fine. No, this a Roman prison's different than this. A Roman jail is actually they actually dug it into the ground like a dungeon, and they they only created prisons around graveyards. They actually dug beneath the dead bodies, and that's where they would put a jail cell. So Paul is in this jail cell that is under a graveyard. That, that'll let you know what they think about prisoners, by the way. Under this graveyard, it's, there's no light. There's no fresh air. He's chained to his jailer, not just chained like in, not just in handcuffs. He's chained to another person to make sure he doesn't live. And he, he's on death row. I mean, he believes. He, act, he actually says it in this letter. He, Paul believes he's going to die in this jail cell. He believes this is it. This end of my life. And what's so ironic, I tell you all of that to tell you how Paul could write a joy book in the middle of all, in all of that backdrop. In this terrible, in this capital city of the world. I mean, Rome is the New York City of the ancient world. I mean, Paul wanted to be out on them streets. I mean, he loved this town. And, and instead of preaching the gospel in Rome, he's in this prison underneath a graveyard. There's nobody with him. He has no light. He has no fresh air. And in that backdrop, listen, Philippians, the first chapter, he writes this in Philippians 1 and 3. I thank my God. Underline that in your Bible. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with, everybody say that word. That wasn't everybody. That was 10 of you. Everybody shout joy. Shout joy. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day you started this church until now. And I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on till it's complete in you. Let me pause here and look at you. God's not finished with you yet. The story isn't over yet. You haven't lived your best day or best season or best year yet. God's still doing something in your life. If it's not good, it's not done. He said God's going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now the part I wanted you to underline was the first four words. Paul is in this terrible, awful, 
remarkably isolated situation, this terrible dark season, and the first four words out of his mouth are, I thank my God. Now look at me. Let me be honest with you. If I were writing a letter to you in a Roman prison and I was on death row, my first four words would not be, Dear City Hills, I thank God for you. My first four words would be, Help! I'm going to die in here. <laughs> come get me. <laughs> Send Pookie and the boys to come rescue me. Because I'm, I'm dying in prison. I don't know how to get out of this. Isn't this the way this is in your life sometimes? When we go through the hard seasons of our life and we think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to make it. I'm going to die. I, I literally can't even in this situation. I can't do this now. My mama used to look at my brother and I. She'd say, I can't, eat, I, I can't deal with you boys right now. And I thought, well, what else are you going to do? Kick us out? Now I tell my kids, I can't deal with y'all. Get out of here. Just go, go to your mama. I don't even want to look at you right now. I don't, I don't, why God are you doing this to me? God, this is the worst season I've ever been in. This is the darkest time I've ever had. Why would you do that? Paul doesn't say any of that. Paul says, I'm looking around this worst season of my life and I'm thanking God for you. And I got joy every time I think about you. How in the world do you take the hardest times of your life and turn them into joy? And I want to teach you that God has a plan for you to choose joy. How does Paul Write the joy book in the dark prison. And how can the story of your life be a story of joy in the middle of a dark season? Here's the reason why. I didn't put it on the screen, but you need to write this down. Paul had something better than happiness. He had joy. He had something better than happiness. He had joy. Well, I thought these were the same things. Uh, most people are in the pursuit of happiness. You know, I want to feel good. I want to be happy. I, I, if everything goes well, if everything's good, if the sky's blue, if it's warm, where's all the girls at that want it to be hot all the time? Yeah, put your hands down. I'm freezing. I'm literally freezing. We live right at the gates of hell, everybody. You're not literally freezing. Come on. <laughs> this, is, this is as close as we get to the gates of hell. It drops below 70 and you put on a big sweatshirt and Ugg boots. If, if it's warm enough, if it's cold enough, if the sky's blue, if the butterflies are out. I don't mean the plague that we're in right now. I mean real butterflies. And What is that? Which one of y'all are sinning? God's punishing us. If it's, if it's rainbows and unicorns, then I'll be happy. No, Paul didn't say that. Paul had something better than happiness. Paul had joy. Here's why they're different. Write this in your notes. Because happiness is external and joy is internal. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. And if all you do is chase happiness in your life, I just want to feel good. I just want to be happy. Can't we just be happy? Can I just find happiness in my marriage? Can I just find happiness in my children? Can I just find happiness in this job? Man, I just wish we were happy again. Here's the problem. Happiness is what happens on the outside. Joy is what happens on the inside. I'll show it to you. I taught you last week when Paul is processing his trauma, he talks about all the stuff that he went through. He was beaten, 
39 lashes five different times. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned one time. And I don't mean recreationally. I mean actually stoned. <laughs> he was shipwrecked three times. He spent a day and a night in the open sea. He was cold, naked, hungry, thirsty, sleepless. I didn't tell you this last week, but look what he says. In the backdrop of all of that, 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, he says, Therefore, there, I, this is cheesy, but I'm going to teach you how to study your Bible. Every time you see the word therefore, you need to ask the question, what's it there for? That's cheesy, I know. But it really does help you study your Bible. Because Paul had just given this terrible season he had lived through. And then he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Man, how do you have joy like that? You mean you lived through that tough season. You were beaten that many times. Shipwrecked, left for dead, bitten by snakes. This whole thing. You're in the open sea. You're cold. You're naked. you got nowhere to live. You're thirsty. You're hungry. You're sleepless. And yet, you don't want to lose heart. How? Here's how. Here it is. Though outwardly we're wasting away. There it is. There's happiness. Outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly what's happening? I'm being renewed. Because happiness is external and joy is internal. Because happiness is what's happening on the outside of me. Write it down like this. Happiness is based on your circumstance. Joy is based on Christ. Happiness is based on what's happening to me. Joy is based on what's on the inside of me. If it's based on your circumstance, here's the, listen, here's the travesty, is that circumstances change. We get the word circumstance from the same word we get the word circumference. It literally is a, it's a math term about a circle. And if you only pursue happiness, what you're really saying is, I can only be happy if the circle that I'm standing in, my circumstance, is good. The thing about life is the circle I'm currently in isn't the circle I'm always in. So this circle may be a good year and this one may be a terrible year. And if you're only pursuing happiness, then you only have happiness when things are good because I'm in the good circle. But the moment you get teenagers... I'm raising a preteen girl right now. Don't tell me no more horror stories. Nobody tell me, okay? She's 11, and it's going to get better, not worse. Don't tell me no different. When you get, when you get in a, when I got money, oh, I'm happy. Oh, God loves me. I'm blessed. That's what Christians say. I'm bl- oh, God's, God's loving me. Oh, this, I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> right? How's it going? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's what real churchy people say. What happens when you lose your job? Oh, where's God? Why'd God forsake me? I don't even like church anymore. This is terrible. God's not, He doesn't answer my prayers. Are you do you see the difference? If you only pursue happiness, it's based on your circumstance. But joy says, I can be full of joy no matter what circumstance I'm in. Whatever circle I stand in. I can have joy. I can have joy on the good days and joy on the bad days. I can have joy when things are going well, and I can have joy when things aren't going well. I can have joy when I'm healthy. I can have joy when the cancer diagnosis comes in. We can have joy when we have money. We can have joy when we're eating ramen noodles. Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing wrong with a good ramen noodle, though. 
I can have joy all the time. I can have joy every part of my life. I can have joy when my kids are babies and you're not sleeping. I can have joy when they finally start sleeping. Thank you, Jesus. I can have joy when I'm raising preteens and when I'm raising teenagers. I can have joy when the business is going good and when the business isn't going. I'm just, I'm teaching you here. Paul said, honestly, when I look around at my circumstance, this stuff doesn't bring me joy. This stuff does. Philippians 4.11, that's why Paul said, I have learned, write this down, for I have learned, underline the word learn. You need to put this on your mirror and lipstick, unless you're a dude, don't do that. Put this on your bathroom mirror and lipstick or write it on a post-it note. I have learned. Everybody say learn. you got to learn it. Listen, here's the reason why. Because if you learn it wrong, you'll live it wrong. Some of you have learned to only trust God when things are good. You've learned to only be happy when the money's coming in. You've learned to only go to church when you're on the top. But Paul said, I've learned I'm going to be content no matter what circle I stand in. I can have joy no matter the circumstance. Happiness happens by chance. Joy happens by choice. Write that down. Happiness happens by chance. Joy happens by choice. So how do I have joy no matter what? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you three ways to have joy no matter the circumstance, and then I'm going to let you go eat ice cream. But don't get used to this. Unless you bring me Bluebell every Sunday, I'm preaching longer than I normally am. How do you have joy no matter what? Philippians, the first chapter. Philippians 1 and 9. Every time you see this in the Bible, just assume that how Paul is praying for that church is how I'm praying for you as a pastor. One of the jobs that I have is to pray God's promises over you. And this is one of the promises I pray for you consistently. Philippians 1 and 9 says, And this is my prayer, here it is, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. By the way, if you want to know where we get our vision from, it's, it's, it's places like this. Paul would pray, I want you to know God more, and I want you to have deep insight. I want you to find freedom so that you may be able to discern what is best, that's discover God's purpose for you, may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So you can start making a difference to the glory and praise of God. Paul said, I just keep praying that you get this. I just keep praying that you learn to have joy, no matter what. I just keep praying that it doesn't matter the struggles, the dark seasons of your life that you learn to have joy. Here's the three ways for you to have joy no matter the circumstance. Number one, write these down. Stop asking why. Stop. If I could teach one thing to you, maybe after after talking about the purpose of God in your life, if there's one thing I could teach you as a pastor to disciple you, it would be this sentence. Stop asking why. Stop asking why. I have an eight-year-old little boy who loves to ask why about everything. Everything. There is no, my mama would just tell me because I said so. Any of y'all raised by the same kind of mama? Because some of y'all mama's here. Because <laughs> I, I said so. And that shut me up. And if it didn't, her hand did. You know what I mean? Like this is it. This is, uh, this is the reason. <laughs> the reason is I said so. Shut up. We don't try to do that. I'm not saying my mama was wrong. I'm just saying we do something a little different. So my little boy is just, why? Why, daddy? Why? He asks why about everything. Your kids ever come in while you're trying to take a shower? 
I shouldn't tell you all this. <laughs> Daddy, why is that light coming down like that? Daddy, how's the shower work? Daddy, why do you, Daddy, why do you wash your hair first? Daddy, why do you do this first? Daddy, what kind of soap is that over there? Daddy, why is that in the pink bottle? Shut up, kid. I'm trying to take a shower. What? Is that, I'm, I'm dealing with my trauma with y'all. <laughs> it's cute when it's eight, but when you're 38 and you keep going to God with why? Why, God? Why did this have to happen this way? Why did she walk out on me? Why was I born in this family? Why did he leave when he said he wouldn't? Why did we have a trouble having kids? Why did we lose so many babies in miscarriage? Why did this happen this way? Why did she abandon me? Why did I, why, why, why? Look at me. And as a Christian, as a believer, here's what I know. You'll die asking why. I don't mean physical death. I mean you'll die a thousand spiritual deaths if you have to know why. You and I don't have the right for the answer to why. The biggest question I get as a pastor, bar none, without exception, is why. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why did this happen to me? Here's the answer, by the way. It's not because God caused it. It's because the world's broken. That's why. Let me just give you that answer of why Why cancer, why war, why, why hurricanes, why devastation, why, why, why struggle, why poverty. It's not because God doesn't care, it's because the world's broken, that's why. As a matter of fact, God cares so much, He sent His only begotten Son to redeem you from the brokenness. That's how much He loves you. But it's broken, the world's broken. You'll find joy, I promise you. I am unlocking, I promise before God, I believe this with my heart, I am unlocking a future of joy for you if you'll stop asking why. Relinquish your right to know why. God never promised this world would be perfect. As a matter of fact, He said just the opposite. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. You don't have to get your answers. When you and I get to heaven, bring your questions with you. I have a few myself. We'll have all of eternity to sit around and ask, why God? Here's what I think, though. I don't know. I've never been to heaven. But here's what I think is going to happen. I think you and I are going to get there, and I don't even know where or how this happens, but I think there's going to be a time, William, when we look over our shoulder, and you can kind of see the movie reel of your life. And I don't even think you're going to have to ask why. I think there's going to be that light bulb moment where you go, oh, that's why. Oh, I had to walk through this so that I could have that. Oh, God was with me even when it was difficult. Oh, I had to turn left there because if I'd have turned right, everything would have been different. Oh, oh, it had to go this way. I don't, I don't know. I just think there's going to be, I think God's going to answer the why in your heart. But you'll never have joy if you hold on to your right to know why on earth. Why don't we just decide to give it to heaven? Why don't we just decide to let heaven be where our why is answered? Stop asking. I'm giving you the keys to have joy. Paul never one time asked God, why all of this? I'll tell you what Paul did ask though. Here's the second thing, Philippians 1 and 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters... That what has happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. 
What if, let me reframe your joy quotient. What if you stopped asking why, write this down, and start asking what? God, what are you showing me? God, what could I learn in all of this? God, what's the purpose in this trial? God, what could you do through me? God, what can I do for you? Bad things happened to Paul, and Paul didn't say why. Paul said, you know what? When I look over my life, I start realizing it had to happen. Touch your neighbor and look at them in the eye and say, it had to happen. It had to happen. It had to happen. Tell them, it had to happen. Look at your spouse and say, it had to happen. It had to, look at me, it had to happen this way. What if you reframed your dark season and it had to happen? Because now that it happened, I can go to God with my what. God, what could you do? Brandon, I had to walk through infertility. Why? I don't know why. I just know what he's done with it. I just know the countless number of couples that we've been able to walk with and pray for and stand with. Because I ask God, God, I don't have to know why. I just want to know what could you do with my story? God, what could you what could you be teaching me in this? Table your wise to heaven and start asking God, what? Paul ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. The most prolific writer in your Bible is Paul. Not because he got an answer to his why, but because he finally said, God, since I got time in this prison, what could I do? God, since I have time in this dark season, what could you have for me? God, since I'm here anyway, chained to this prison guard, what could I do to advance the gospel? God, what could you be showing me? What purpose do you have in me? Stop asking why. Start asking what. Come play so they think I'm done. I told you I'm going to get you out of here early. You're going to love it today. Stop asking why. Start asking what. Listen. And here's the one that's the hardest. I think what is the antidote to why in your life, by the way. I've never, not never, let me rephrase that. I rarely find people who are living on purpose who live in their whys. You understand that? If you'll get on purpose, if you'll discover the purpose of God in your what's, you don't have a lot of room for whys because you'll meet a whole bunch of whys. <laughs> you'll meet a whole bunch of other people. So here's the third thing. Write this down and then we'll pray. Stop asking why, start asking what, and then refocus on what really matters. Refocus your life and your attention on what really matters. Can I teach you for the next six minutes? Would you look at me in the eyes and let me teach you? There's not a lot that really matters in this world. There's not a lot that really matters. I think you ought to take care of your family. But the stock market doesn't really matter. I think you ought to plan accordingly, but your 401k doesn't really matter. I think you ought to, I think you ought to love the job that you do, and you ought to do it as unto the Lord. But honestly... That boss doesn't really matter. I, I want you to have a nice home. I want to have a nice home, but it doesn't really matter. I want you to have a ranch and invite me over so that I don't have to buy a horse. I can just ride yours. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter. We're caught up in a world. Look at me. I'm almost done. We're caught up in the world where everything matters. 
here's the problem when everything gets the same weight is nothing is weighty. When everything's breaking news, nothing gets your attention anymore. As a pastor, I get to be with people in the best times of their life and the worst times. I love it when you call me to do your wedding, especially if you're getting married in Mexico. <laughs> if you're getting married in comfort, we have staff that would be willing to marry you. They, they, but if you're getting married in Puerto Vallarta, holler at your boy, you know. <laughs> I love to stand in front of couples. And it's the happiest season. It's my favorite. But they also call me at the lowest times of their lives. I've been around not a few hospital beds. I've been in not a few hospice homes. And at the end of life, I'm just telling you up until now, maybe it'll change, but for 22, 23 years now, no one's ever, not one time, Josh, not one time has anybody on their deathbed said, Pastor, my only regret is I wish I would have drank more. I wish I'd have worked more, you know. Wish I'd have spent more time at the office. Pastor, I wish I would have missed church more. I felt like I, I just went to church too much. I wish I would have prayed less. I feel like I just prayed all the time. Nobody. Not one. But I've had not a few say, you know, none of that stuff I was working on really matters today, Pastor. Here's my hope for you, is that on our sixth birthday, you refocus before you have to. The end of your life kind of necessitates it, right? I'd rather you choose to do it now before you get there. I'd rather you refocus your attention on something that really does matter. Only a few things matter. And Paul writes this letter to Philippi, and he believes he's dying. He believes he's on his deathbed. He believes this is a death warrant. I'm never going to see the sunshine again. He does, but he doesn't believe it. And he writes this in Philippians 1 and 15. He hears about these televangelists coming through, preaching false doctrine, and he says, it's true that some people preach Christ out of envy or rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing I, I, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. But some people have come to you to preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm here in this prison. And this is my favorite part of this whole book. 16, 16 verses on joy, four chapters and two pages, and this is my favorite phrase. And he says this, but what does it If I were to give you a frame for the next 12 months of your life, I'd like you to look through your life through the, through the lens of what does this matter? What does this matter? Not now. What does it matter for eternity? He says the important thing is that in every way, whether it's false motives or good, Christ is preached. And then he ends the same way he starts. Because of all of this, <laughs> i got joy. I've just decided to reframe the worst seasons of my life. I've decided to refocus and go, what does it really matter? 
right? What is what does all of this stuff really matter? What what is all of this temporary stuff? I'm just gonna keep choosing joy. It doesn't really matter if things are good or things are bad. I'm gonna choose joy. Well, you don't know, Pastor. You don't know what I'm walking through. Here's what I do know: You're sitting beside people who are walking through the darkest seasons of their life. I happen to know a few of them. I happen to know about couple on the dream team, married 44 years. They're serving this service. That's why they're not sitting in this service. Married 44 years, two careers, and they serve their church. She worked as a church secretary. He was a board member for decades. They finally got their retirement home. They moved to Texas to retire. Come on, somebody. To the hill country. It's beautiful. She texted me the day she went to the doctor and they said, we're going to have to biopsy that. She texted me the day they called back and said, it's cancer. She texted me the day they told her, you won't have to have chemo. She texted me the day they told her, you're going to have to have chemo. In the middle of that diagnosis, her husband texted me the day they said, we're going to have to open your back up and do spinal surgery pins and rods and metal and it's going to take a while for you to walk in retirement, the best years, the golden years and in this service they're in that lobby right now with joy how do you have joy no matter what doesn't matter, I can have joy in the worst days of my life Paul said when I think about all of this stuff, honestly what does it really matter I can have joy no matter what circumstance. What do you do with people like that? Look look at me. Listen to me. I want to give you strength for the journey. What do you do with people that nothing takes them out? Nothing knocks them down. Nothing takes the wind out of them. What do you do with people like that? Paul's one of those guys. They said, Paul, we're going to kill you. Paul said, okay. Philippians 1.21. To me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What do you do with a brother that goes, either way, I got joy. Write it down like this and then I'll pray for you. When you know God and you choose joy, you're in a win-win situation. This is win-win. I want to help you on the struggle bus. Listen, this is win-win. If God answers, you win. If God delays His answer, you win. If you got money in the bank, You win. If they take the house, we win. If things are good, we win. If your president gets elected, we win. If the other guy gets elected, we win. Or gal, we win. Right? Our circumstances don't determine our joy. You can have joy no matter what. Stop asking why. Start asking God, what could you do through this? And then refocus on the stuff that really matters. Let's get our eyes a little higher than this world. Let's put it in eternity. Let's get our eyes on heaven and choose joy. Bow your heads all over the house. If this message is for you, would you just be bold and say, man, I'm in this dark season. Would you raise your hand and say, I need prayer. Include me in this final prayer. 
people's hands up all over the house. I don't want to beg you. I just want you to be honest and say, I'm, i got to learn how to choose joy in this. I see you. Keep your hand raised as an act of faith, Father, in Jesus' name. I just pray for people walking through their dark seasons in what seems like a dark prison, buried beneath a graveyard, forgotten, cold, hungry. I don't know if I'll ever see the light of day again. I pray today that there's a a spirit of joy that can get a hold of their hearts. And it doesn't matter the circumstance. I'm not chasing happiness. It doesn't really matter what happens on the outside. I choose joy. I choose joy in this hard season. I choose joy in a marriage that's struggling. I choose joy with kids that have gone crazy. I choose joy without money. I choose joy when they take the house. I choose joy in this depression. I choose joy when the fear grips me late at night. I choose joy with this diagnosis. I choose joy with cancer. I choose joy with heart disease. I choose joy. I choose joy today. And put your hands down and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I don't want to end the service without giving you a chance so nobody's looking around. Joy starts with Jesus. Can't have it apart from Him. You may can have some happy days, but they'll come and go. But you can have joy. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I can lead you in a simple prayer, but honestly, I can't pray this prayer for you. I can only pray it with you. So with everything on the inside of you, if you're ready to come back to God or come home today, maybe you just need to rededicate your life to Christ. If that's you, just say this prayer. Everybody will pray it with you so you won't feel embarrassed. Say, Dear Jesus, I give you my heart, my broken heart, my hopeful heart, my sins, my struggles, my past, my future. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe there's joy on the other side. So I surrender my life, every part of me. Save me today. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord today, everybody? Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.